0: Hello and welcome back to Agency Highway. This is episode 85 with Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing. Ben, thanks for joining.
1: G'day, Jimmy. Thanks for having me on your show.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like this should have happened sooner given uh, we've known each other for quite a while and run into each other at random events all the time. Uh, it's actually been a while now because I stopped doing a lot of local local networking stuff. So I just see you on the internet all the time now because you are seemingly everywhere, which is good. Yeah, yeah. and it's uh, such a good topic video because I feel like we haven't really covered this a lot on the podcast. Um, So, mate, we're breaking new ground. Um, I'm really keen to learn about how agencies can use video, businesses in general, obviously, um, but maybe a bit more specific to agencies. So, mate, where do we start? Like, why? Why do we? What people I think are pretty sold on video. Maybe we should talk about that quickly and a little bit of introduction on what you do in your business
1: yeah hey you know 2020's the the year of video right <laughs> although it has been for the last what five or yeah, six years right. i think i've been reading things are saying <laughs> it's a year of video online video is taking off you know you've got to be doing video this year and look i've been i've been in video production for over 20 years and i mean the world of video production's changed significantly over that period of time, you know, particularly as we've moved into producing content now for, for digital and online spaces. And even that in that last five, six year kind of period as businesses have started really embracing video as well, it's changing all the time. So I think what I'm seeing all the time is that people, as you say, Jimmy, uh, they're they know they need video, they, they get the power of video, but the confusion often comes from well, what should I do and where should I do it and mm-hmm. how should I do it to ensure I get a return on investment. Um, and that's what it, it often comes down to is, and my big mission, I guess, is to help people to stop doing video for video's sake, just, you know, just for the sake of getting something out there and start mm-hmm. doing video more more strategically and we can break that down but i think that's at the core of it is now it's just so possible for everyone to create video really quickly mm. and cheaply you don't need to hire a video production company anymore although there's time and a place for doing that but you can turn on your webcam or press that go live button on your smartphone and you're producing video content so that's not a barrier anymore so the barrier now is how are you going to ensure that your content actually cuts through reaches the right people and actually moves them to take some sort of action that's going to make a difference in your business. So I think that's where people get stuck and we can dive deeper into that. today.
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of interesting stuff around video lately. Like there's a lot of people saying you do like to cut through now, you have to have like good production and all this sort of stuff. And like, I don't know about you, but I tend to disagree with that. I'm no video expert, but I can just see that there's like videos that, um, uh, actually do well that aren't very well produced. And I thought it was quite funny because there was one guy, I listened to a podcast yesterday that he was talking about, he's actually going to start cutting back on video this year um, because all the stuff he did um, last year didn't really get that good results compared to other stuff he did with his time. And then, cause he went so much into the production value and then he went on to say like literally five minutes later that the best video he had the previous year was not produced at all and it was a quick screen share with like no production value at all and I was like wait didn't you just see that connection in your own thing like it didn't need to be you didn't need to go to so much bloody work I just found that really interesting
1: yeah and what I find interesting about that without knowing that full story is it kind of reflects what I see and hear all the time is people think of video and they immediately turn to the technical aspects of video. Mm -hmm. They, They turn to, okay, well, If I need to do video, well, how am I going to make this? You know, do I need to pay someone? Do I need this piece of equipment or that piece of equipment? How do I, how am I going to edit this thing? That's just that you get focused and bogged down on that. But the reality is, is video is just another form of communicating an idea from my head into your head, Mm -hmm. from a brand to a consumer and causing them to change the way they're thinking about something to take some sort of action video just happens to be currently the most effective way of doing that in digital channels, because Mm -hmm. it's like the, it's like a one, two punch of, of, you know, technical and logical information that you can communicate effectively to someone and the emotional connection that the human element to video allows. So, you know, Getting bogged down in the technical aspect isn't the right way to look at it. There is absolutely successful and effective strategies you can do effectively with no resources, you mm-hmm. know, with nothing, with screen share and stuff built into your mm-hmm. computer. And there are times and places when it's worth investing in higher quality production as well.
0: Yeah, And, you know... I- I've seen, I guess, people doing both. James Schremko is a very prominent online marketer. And I know he's got the gear because I've seen his professionally produced videos, but I see him putting out, it's like a video every day at the moment. And it's just like a one minute thing, a quick little tip that he puts on um, LinkedIn, YouTube and on his blog. It's a crazy amount of content that's always coming out, but these are just one minute clips, you know? Um, and they can be repurposed into transcripts and posts, which his team do. So, I mean... If the, if Shremko is doing something like quickly talking to a phone and put, putting that up, like to me that says you can get away with it because I think mean, he's not going to do things that don't work.
1: Yeah. I think what, you know, the important thing is, is it's not just about putting content out there because it is easy. You can just, you know, press record and, and film a one-minute video and put it out there every day. You, you can do that. But without a strategic kind of mindset mm. behind doing that, chances are it's just going to be noise, you know. Like yeah. there's, there's so much video content. I mean, the stat's crazy, like, you know, over 80% of global internet traffic in 2020 this year is going to be video that not all that video is good, right? And not yeah. all that video is getting watched or returning on investment. So I'm sure someone like James Schranko has a good strategy behind what he's doing. Yeah, I should have. I should have. People can fail. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I should have um, specified that because yeah, like some people might hear that and go, oh yeah, now I have to do a daily video. Um, and that is just video for video's sake. But um, what I've seen Tramco doing, I was at a conference with him, uh, sitting next to him, and I saw him writing down a lot of notes while he was talking to people. And I was like, what are you doing, man? And he um, basically, every time someone asks a question, so he does a lot of business coaching, um, and if Someone asks him a question and he answers it. He writes it down uh, along with his answer. And if he hears um, a question being said that he thinks is like something he could answer on video, he basically just answers them on video really quickly and uploads them. I thought that was genius. I still don't know if that falls into video for video's sake, but, um, Yeah, I just thought it was a really good way to continually uh, create video, which is I've heard this as a strategy for agencies as well, just recording video and content around the questions your clients ask. So, I mean, let's get into that. Like where should an agency actually start? Like low-hanging fruit um, without having all the tech gear and all that? Where do they start?
1: Yeah, it comes down to... It comes down to that idea of having a strategy behind what you're doing and at its simplest form i kind of see a strategy as needing to start with with your audience you know um and your agency audience probably understand the value of understanding who you're talking to understanding that audience both on a demographic level but also psychographic level because if you know what they care about and you know what they what they're struggling with and what their pain points are in their life that you can help them with then immediately you're starting to be more strategic about the content you're going to create that's going to address those pain points great way that you just shared there is the idea of just answering questions that people have if you're people are coming to you with common questions and you're you have the answers, then that's a great place to start creating content. When you've got the audience, then that leads into, um, into the goals for your strategy. So when you think about video strategically, you need to think, what am I trying to achieve, right? And the goal for your strategy is going to be different based on where people are at within that journey to buy from you. So for people like if you think about a funnel right your audience is probably familiar with the idea of a marketing funnel that Mm -hmm. you've got a cold audience at the top of the funnel and then as they move through the funnel they're going to be a warm or hot audience and then they buy from you and become a customer so at the top of the funnel the goal is is awareness you know getting people to become aware of who you are who've not heard about you before and awareness is an emotional thing it comes from the inside it's not a logical brain part it's an emotional thing Basically, if you can show up for people um, and make the right emotional connection for them, then they'll begin to like you and begin to trust you. And they'll move into your funnel, ideally, um, in the right way, right? And then basically, as you've got them in the funnel. So a lot of what we see with video content when it's strategic is that middle of the funnel content, which is providing value or education or information to people because, When people are in the middle of the funnel, they just, they have answers or they have questions, sorry, Mm -hmm. and they want answers, right? So if you can be the brand or the business that provides more value to your prospects before you ask them to buy from you, then when they do get ready to buy, they're more likely to buy from you. It's reciprocity, you know, one of Cialdini's principles.
0: Yeah. Just to clarify, do you mean uh, by middle of funnel, do you mean uh, like they're on your email list and you're sending them content?
1: So by middle of funnel, it's it's people who are aware of the need that they have to buy something, but they haven't yet bought something. So middle of when they're in the middle of your funnel, so you kind of think of the customer journey as the customer's gonna go on this journey anyway, whether you're with that customer or not, and your brand or business is is reaching the customer. So if a customer's wanting to buy the services of, let's say, a web design agency, they're gonna start at the top of the funnel, which is when they're not even really considering who they're going to buy from. They're just getting frustrated with a lack of results from their website or they look at their website and they go, oh, it just doesn't reflect us anymore. And so it's it's pain, it's kind of frustration and um, unhappiness, right? So that's top of the funnel. At this stage, they're, in order to reach them as a a web agency, you want to be creating content that talks to that pain and that frustration, mm. and probably emphasizes the the pain that if they stay in that f- state of frustration, um, that it's going to lead to you know problems for their business and things like that. But you also want to come alongside and create content at the top of the funnel, which. Um, basically tell stories of other people who have been on the journey with your agency and have achieved a a great outcome. So that's that emotional tie-in, you know? So it's kind of like, wow, if I do this, go on this journey with this agency, my life is going to feel better. You know, my business is going to be booming. That's the kind of emotional tie-in that people at the top of the funnel, they need to hear from you. Then when they're in the middle of the funnel, basically, they're In that consideration phase, they're kind of going, okay, so I'm going to, I'm probably going to get a new website. Will I go with that agency or this agency, or will I do it myself or whatever, right? So they have questions and they're making decisions that are going to lead them towards purchasing. This is where your content needs to shift from being emotional and now be a bit more rational. So it needs to actually provide value. Educate people about their options, um, share information, share insights and knowledge that you have and do it in a way, and this is where video really sings, do it in a way that builds a relationship with you as the guide that's going to help them achieve that outcome.
0: Yeah, and that's. I just want to double down on that point there, like how much video builds a relationship is insane. Like uh, I've only realised this really in the last, maybe six months where I've gone to conferences and people have literally said they feel like they know me and I have no idea who they are and yeah. it's a hundred percent. Well, I mean the podcast helps. Um, and, but the video is massive and, um, I like if you feel a little bit bad in a way, <laughs> but, but it does speak to the, the power of just being on video where people can see you and hear you. It's, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, it comes down to the fact that people buy from people, you know. Yeah. Where we're all humans, whether we're in a B two B or a B two C space, like we all buy and make purchase decisions based on human human instinct and human decision making processes, which is influenced by other humans, you know. So that's where video just just really makes a difference. So I kind of think of this idea of, um, you know, we used to be pre pre internet. We used to be in a low tech, high touch kind of a world you know Mm. so there wasn't much technology around us so to do business it needed to be very high touch you'd walk into a shop you'd talk to the shopkeeper you'd shake hands you'd know each other's by your first name you know and then you'd buy from that person and you wouldn't you wouldn't buy your your bread from a bakery down the road if you built a relationship with the baker who's right in front of you you know (laughs) Who who you know his first name but now as we've gone digital it's very much a high-tech, low-touch kind of a world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Video brings the high-touch back to high-tech, particularly online video. You know, we can build that human connection and we can do it through digital digital means and that's what humans crave. That's what mm-hmm. we need.
0: Do you do a lot of like direct one-on-one personal video? It's something I've done a little bit of using tools like Bonjoro and that where, you know, I might send a video to a person that's signed up and just like welcome them to you know, the course or to Content Snare. Just curious if you do that kind of thing.
1: It's a severely underutilized use of online video, which most people don't think about. And it's Mm. something that we've been experimenting with and having great success with over the last 12 months, particularly. Mm. Onduro is a tool that we've used quite a bit um, for people who have bought some of our online programs, for example, to welcome them personally. And it, it gets an amazing response of people reaching out and saying, hey, thanks for that video. That's so awesome. Really excited to be part of the program, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a that's kind of an easy win, right? Using a tool like that to send a personalized direct message video and it can be automated mm-hmm. as well. Um, where I've seen great success, which I think is of benefit to an agency audience particularly, is bringing personalized video into the proposal and, and quoting process. Hmm, I was going to ask so, you about that. I'm so glad you brought it up. Yeah, Are you doing any of this? Do you, have I you don't do proposals anymore, but
0: I literally just got a video like this, uh, yeah. walking me through a proposal. And I was like, yeah, that's that's good.
1: Yeah. So a, a tool that I recommend here is um, Soapbox. Soapbox by wistia so wistia is an online video hosting platform you may be familiar with but mm-hmm. they have a free tool which is a plugin called soapbox and soapbox actually enables you to record your screen and your webcam at the same time and walk someone through a proposal for example maybe you've got a pdf version or an online version of your proposal you know walk them through and basically talk them through it it records it um real time and then it gives you some basic video editing capabilities afterwards just right there in their platform so effectively you can switch between seeing your face full screen to then just choose a point where you're going to cut to seeing the screen recording and you can have like your face on the left of the screen and the pdf on the right of the screen or and you can just do some basic video editing and just trim some of the Maybe you're screwed up at the start so you're going to trim the start off a bit. Mm. Really quick, really simple and then you send it straight through email um, and, yeah, we've had great success with that. Landed a particularly large project last year and the direct feedback from the client was, wow, that, video that came with the proposal just made us decide that you're the right fit for us damn
0: that's awesome i'm just having a look at it now i did not know this existed and i am a fiend for new tools so thank you i'm currently using camtasia still for this kind of thing but it's a bit more annoying because you have to like upload um you got to do the edits like fairly manually and then upload it and then sent, like change the sharing on the file.
1: Anything shit. that can speed things up, man. you got to, you got to, I, yeah. I know that you know this. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, this isn't really um, what I um, do anymore. Like I don't need to walk anyone through a proposal, but um, sometimes I use Loom. Loom is another choice for this, but the video that this creates, I'm just looking at it with like the side by side. It's almost like a vertical Um, like Instagram story vertical video of the person with the screen on the right-hand side. So I think the real estate is really good. Like Loom, I think it only puts in like a small bubble in the corner. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, yeah, I really like that format and I can see um, that it would work really well. So have you tried Loom?
1: Yeah, yeah. I use Loom mostly for um, process-driven videos to record screen to record basically screen capture videos to mm. share with our VA and things like that um, for internal process documentation. I think mm-hmm. that's super easy. Um, it, it is limited in how you can use that content and share it with a client, for example. Right. Um, another great tool, just as, as we're sharing tools here, is um, by the guys from Vidyard, which is another video hosting mm-hmm platform, uh, they have a plug-in or a tool called Go Video. I think it may be that maybe they dropped the Go Video name and it's just the Vidyard Chrome plugin in now. Okay. Again, a free plug-in which, similar to Loom, basically enables you to um, record your screen or record your webcam and send a personalised video. The good thing about this is you can have the, the Go Video, uh, the app on your smartphone, and basically record a personalised video message to someone and just shoot it off via text message and it plays basically you know, within the SMS kind of window oh, wow. on, your, on your smartphone. So huh. it's a really, and it, it tracks it as well. So, you know, if someone's watched it. So let's, a great way to use this is, for example, if you've just um, come out of a, a scoping meeting with a client, really good meeting, you feel good about potential moving forward on the project. Maybe when you get back to the office or even in the car, in the car park on the way out, you can shoot them a quick video and say, hey, awesome to meet with you. Um, thanks for the time. As I promised, I'll get the proposal through to you later this afternoon. In the meantime, reach out if I can help you any further. The benefit of that, it just—it's unexpected and it humanizes that relationship. And mm. you seem like a real person. And when you get a personalized video like that in your in your text message, it feels like it's from a friend, right? Like that's yes. typically the only other time you'd get that kind of thing. So you know, anywhere, any way that you can humanize business is always going to win.
0: All right, cool. Well, I'd like to circle back a little bit and talk about actually marketing these videos, getting these videos in front of people because we've talked about, you know, creating some top of funnel stuff, some middle funnel stuff. Um, The big thing I know people are going to ask is how do we actually get people to see these videos?
1: Yeah, well, it's a good question. You know, if you create a video and it's not seen, why create a video right so <laughs> yeah. what it comes down to really is it's about deciding on you know what is your primary platform going to be so where are you going to actually distribute these videos and like we said before the options are kind of endless because every social media platform's a video platform you know you've got your stalwart of online video youtube which tends to be the go-to for people but then more people tend to find it easier just to, you know, upload things to Facebook, for example. And now LinkedIn's becoming a video platform; it's another <laughs> yep. another one on the market there. So the question is, how do you get people to see your videos on the platform that you're distributing your videos on? And the answer is different based on those different platforms. Probably also depends is, yeah.
0: like what your business is, which platform you choose.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So it comes down to really understanding your audience and knowing where it is that you're going to show up for those people so that you can actually engage the right people in the right way so understand that first and i always talk about deciding on a primary platform and and that primary platform for your video strategy should be your growth platform so deciding on based on your understanding of your audience your goals for your business how you're going to how you're going to build content strategically for your audience decide on the on that platform if that is YouTube, if that's what your primary platform is going to be, then you create your content, you produce your content with YouTube's kind of language in mind. So the way you're going to produce videos for YouTube is very different to how you'd produce videos for Instagram TV, for example, to take Mm -hmm. two very different platforms. So you decide on your primary platform, create the content with that platform in mind, and then you need to consider how you're going to optimize that content to get it in front of the right people. And the optimization strategies are different based on the platform. So YouTube, for example, we're talking mostly it's based on search behavior on the platform. Mm. So your typical SEO, search engine optimization type things is what you need to do without going too deep into that. Think about keywords, titles, tags, descriptions. Yeah, that's like exactly sort of that's stuff, how right?
0: I operate with YouTube, right? it's I'm doing a lot of... Like uh, autocomplete, for example, I might type in uh, the start, you know, if I'm doing some Zapier stuff, I just type in Zapier space and, and see what autocomplete stuff comes up. There's obviously a bit, like there are some tools that try to guess the YouTube volume as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, I guess that I've always tried to mix it and have some stuff for the subscribers uh, that's not keyword driven and some that some that is.
1: Yeah, and well, what you're talking about there is, see, optimization, I look at in two ways. You've got algorithm optimization, which is the technical stuff we're talking about there, which is optimizing your content on the platform to suit the algorithm. And every video platform has some sort of algorithm at play that decides who sees the content and who doesn't. So algorithm optimization is one factor. The other factor is what I call audience optimization, okay? And audience optimization is about understanding how you can create content that hooks or engages your ideal audience to encourage them to actually watch because algorithm optimization will get your content, I guess, exposed or, um, you know, put in front of the right audience if you do it well, but if they don't actually click play and if they do click play, but then they don't watch the video for Mm. longer than a couple of seconds, then it's not optimized for the audience. And that also sends negative signals to the algorithm in most cases as well. So they're all, they interplay, Mm. but what I recommend is always optimize for audience first and good algorithm optimization will follow. And we can break that down a bit more, but if you basically the mindset here is create content that your audience loves, that Mm -hmm. they want to consume, that answers their questions and, you know, is exactly what they're looking for at any given time. And do it in an engaging and interesting way so they actually watch the entire video and all of that plays into good algorithm optimization anyway
0: yeah i love that like you know doing it in an engaging way is important because there are so many videos that i've seen where literally like a minute and a half to three minutes is just like hi i am this person and this is what i do and um you know I like this thing and like, <laughs> like it'll be like this random droll. And it's quite funny because sometimes on YouTube, some you scroll down and one of the top comments will be actual video starts at and someone will put a timestamp in so you can click the timestamp and it'll and jump to it.
1: Skip all the rubbish, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's quite um, funny uh, when when there are those kind of videos. So just quickly, like I don't know if this is possible to do this like quick, but maybe a couple of dot points on each platform because you mentioned that they are different, right? And you, you do things in different ways. Like um, you might speak to an audience differently on LinkedIn. Is there like a quick summary you can give on each one? If someone's like, I don't know which platform I should start on. Obviously. Yeah. Um, the, what platform they should start on. Sorry. should depend on their audience. That's something that listeners will have to work out themselves based on, you know, what, who their audience are. But then like, if they get started on YouTube, what, what are they doing differently on YouTube than on LinkedIn, for example?
1: Sure. So, I mean, let's just look at YouTube and we touched on it just briefly before, but YouTube is primarily a, well, it is 100% a video platform, which is different to the other social, mm. social network type video platforms. Um, so, But YouTube is primarily search-driven, okay? So people go to YouTube and either they're engaging with content that... Um, from their channels that they subscribe to, uh, which is one factor to consider, or in most cases they're going to YouTube with some kind of intent to find an answer or to seek some sort of information right. and that you know that could be entertainment as well, but usually you know they're seeking some kind of a information or education on something so with that in mind it's that's where optimization really leans towards your standard SEO stuff that we talked about but critical to the main I guess, algorithm things you, you can do on YouTube is really it comes down to that how you're going to hook people because you know the idea of audience optimization that I talked about before on YouTube is so critical because even if the algorithm shows your video to someone, if your thumbnail isn't engaging and the opening seconds of your video aren't going to hook people in then people are going to drop off straight away. So in your analytics data, you can see that retention curve, the retention Mm -hmm. graph, which usually shows a a steady decline from the beginning of the video to the end as people are dropping out of your video. But where you can see that you really have a problem is when you have a very steep cliff, a drop-off, which happens far too often uh, mm-hmm. in the content that I'm you know, analyzing on YouTube because people aren't considering those opening seconds of their video. So really it comes down to an interplay between the quality of the thumbnail and how that gets someone to click play in the first place. And then the quality of your opening seconds to drive people further into your video. And once you've got them like 10, 15 seconds in, provided that you're giving value in your content, then you should be right to get pretty good retention Mm. um, and engagement on YouTube. it's different on other platforms as well. But do you want to go deeper into YouTube here?
0: Um, No, I I don't think, like, this would be a whole other topic. Like, you know, there's literally courses on how to optimize for YouTube. Like, I know, Brian, you probably have one, do you?
1: (laughs) No, I don't specifically, but I can, there are a bunch of people who have been on my podcast who are yeah. absolute experts in this.
0: Yeah, I know Brian Dean uh, is big on YouTube stuff. You know, Everyone's got their own sort of ideas on how it should be done. He's, I think he's literally released a course recently. But um, I guess I was just trying to give a little overview of each platform because it's interesting because, you know, YouTube's so intent-driven. I imagine LinkedIn, Facebook are going to be like you're interrupting, right? The only way people yeah. aren't going to LinkedIn to watch a video or find an answer. They're scrolling around, and you have to like hook them. Imagine in a very different way.
1: Yeah. So LinkedIn is is a different platform again, and LinkedIn it, it it's actually harder to get solid evidence or data that says as to how video is being treated within the LinkedIn algorithm. There is certainly um, speculation and there Mm -hmm. are a lot of people who have done a lot of um, tests on LinkedIn to kind of work it out and the best ways to kind of hack optimization for LinkedIn video. But the main things, what it comes down to is, like I said before, understanding your audience and understanding the platform. So on LinkedIn, what you need to be doing is to consider that it is interruptive. It is a feed-driven platform. um, But you also need to consider how it's relevant to to the platform. So it's a business-driven platform. So you wouldn't want to be putting your Casey Neistat type vlog, you know, your weekend on a holiday in Bali kind of a video on LinkedIn, unless that really aligns with your brand. But, you know, we'll assume that that's not the kind of video that's going to resonate and therefore um, perform well on LinkedIn. So Again, like all the platforms, if you can create content that is going to hook people and keep them watching to stop the scroll, then that is the biggest signal to LinkedIn to actually show this to more people. There are other factors to consider on LinkedIn, particularly engagement in the comments, um, using hashtags as well is, is very powerful on LinkedIn. And uh, and also the, the uh, currency, I'm trying to think of the right word there, so LinkedIn video specifically it's going to show the algorithm is going to show it to more people in its early stages of its life on the platform versus later now this is a factor that is even more pronounced on facebook in fact once a facebook video is kind of two days old it's not going to be barely shown anywhere in the feed but so linkedin you've got a longer you've got a longer lifespan but if it's not getting engagement then it's going to drop off very quickly after those first couple of days no one's going to see it You can resurrect a video on LinkedIn by adding new comments to it or encouraging new comments, like tagging someone and saying, hey, noticed you haven't watched this video that I released last week. Hey, James, what do you think? And then add some more comments in and that'll boost it back up organically in the LinkedIn feed. So that's a good strategy. Nice. Um, And then Facebook's different again. You know, Facebook is all about building community you know Zuckerberg came out a couple of years ago and said that the platform's all about building meaningful connections with people um, not not brands right so again it it needs to be about content that people want to watch that they want to engage with a good signal for the algorithm is comments in the um, in the comments field and things like that likes and shares uh, that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. is really in Facebook it's really More about, well, there's really four things to break it down really quickly for Facebook optimization. It's about original content. So Facebook wants it to be original native content, in other words, content that's made for Facebook, not that you've had on YouTube and you just stuck it up on on Facebook, um, for example. Certainly not, and they actively demote video content that's like a mashup or a, um, you know, ripped from somewhere else. So you used to see a lot of that on Facebook almost go viral, but they're actively pushing that sort of stuff down now. Uh, Another factor is um, viewing behaviors. So I mentioned before that if people are watching videos for a decent retention, so longer than three minutes in particular, then they're going to very actively promote that video within the feed. So if you get good viewer retention, which is very hard on Facebook. I'll, yeah, I I'll bet. Because
0: everyone's kind of such a small, uh, like, God, what's the word? Um, everyone's scattered attention Retention span. Yeah, yeah, that's it. it just, <laughs> oh, God, it's, not,
1: man. it's not there on
0: Facebook. I can't yet. word today. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm this. like, if I click on a thing on Facebook, um, then and, and I see that length is like three minutes. I'm usually out immediately. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> I'm very much like a minute or under kind of watcher on Facebook.
1: Yeah, and you're not alone there. I mean, this is this is how Facebook have set up their algorithm. Is videos longer than three minutes are going to get preference in the in the algorithm? And you know, let's be skeptical about this. It's probably because once a video is longer than three minutes, they can input basically an ad they can <laughs> yeah. stick an ad in there so you know that's what facebook's all about
0: yeah i try to uh, i try to give uh facebook signals that i hate mid-roll ads by closing a video and stopping watching it whenever it rolls one <laughs>
1: yeah i do that too <laughs> that'll teach him. <them. laughs> i don't, I don't know what
0: the, maybe they'll learn if we all do it or something because mid-rolls maybe. are just the worst i know that um you know i guess they're trying to make money they're a business but still i just hate it so much
1: yeah yeah, it's interruptive advertising, and, and mm. that just doesn't work anymore. But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. I'll just wrap up the final two factors for Facebook. Yeah. Um, the other one's loyalty and intent. So, what that means is basically if you can create video content that people go to your channel to seek out. So, you know, it's a bit different to subscribing on YouTube, but the idea that People want to come back to your videos on a regular basis. So having a consistent posting schedule like a weekly show, for example, that people turn up every Monday to your Facebook page, those sort of signals is what Facebook really loves when it comes to video. Um, They recommend producing content for the Facebook Watch platform, but I don't think many people are using Watch. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, um, and then the final one's engagement. We talked about that before. So if you can create content that encourages authentic engagement, like likes, shares and comments and builds conversation in the comments, not just, you don't want just strings of comments with like great video or thumbs up or, um, hi James or something like that. Like. What you want is real detailed conversation in the mm. comments. That's that's a very active signal for Facebook. Nice. So you want to avoid tactics that used to be popular on Facebook of like, you know, um, give me a thumbs up or, or yeah. say yes or no in the comments. And yeah. you know that gives you a string of comments, but they're not good comments. So that actually isn't valuable mm. at all. Actually so they're find- kind of the main things with Facebook.
0: Yeah, awesome. I actually just was going to say that I find the comments on video or especially X live video you know once it once you do a live it and you can watch it again I find that so annoying the way the comments work it's not like a normal video post and it's just always so frustrating to find the comments that I want it's just like mm. a completely unrelated bugbear of mine uh, with Facebook it's funny you mentioned Facebook watch too I'm glad no one's using it because I hate Facebook watch because they launched on the day that we went live with content snare on product hunt Oh, and we got it. number two product of the day behind
1: and
0: <laughs> <frickin'> Facebook watch. <laughs> take
1: it on the big boys.
0: Yeah. Um, mate, there's a lot of stuff there to unpack. I think hopefully that should help some people decide where to start with video, what platforms, um, how to you know, modify what they're doing for each platform. Um, I think that's a good point to wrap up. Just wanted to say thank you so much for dropping all this knowledge. Cool, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. And where can people go to find out like a bit about what you do? And uh, I know you've got a podcast and Engage Video Marketing. Tell, tell us a bit about what you can help people with.
1: Yeah. So if you're a podcast listener, which I assume you are if you're listening to this <laughs> one, is Engage Video Marketing Podcast um, is is where it's at. So I interview a whole bunch of people and experts in the world of, of video marketing, video strategy and all that sort of stuff. So that's a good place to go. Otherwise, you can head over to EngageVideoMarketing.com and that's kind of my online home for free education things and things that are hopefully going to help you be more strategic with your video content and, and really nail your video strategy in 2020 and beyond.
0: Boom. Head over there, um, sign up for whatever Ben's got, especially if it's free. Um, I guarantee it's all going to be helpful for you. So, Ben, thanks again. Cool. Thanks, James. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Discover how to grow your agency, earn more, and work less at agencyhighway.com. Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.